Hello, and welcome back to the Goblin Lore Podcast. Today we have part two of our second part of our Commander Legends recap. So this is using some of the articles that were on Wizards that gave little blurbs about each of the commanders that were out. Uh, last week we did part one of this, um, and then about a month or two ago we did part one and two of the first article. So this has been an ongoing series uh, kind of leading us up. This is our 99th episode, and what you're going to kind of hear is we have something very special planned for our 100th episode. We're going to be checking in with some of the guests that have been on the show prior, seeing what they're up to. And then we're right back in it. We have plans for recording for 2021, and we're working on that schedule. Um, we also want to take this time to kind of throw in a plug for the Grinding Coffee Company. So that is a Black-owned, LGBT-ran coffee company. They just finished their Kickstarter. We talked about them a little bit with Ellie of the Vale. Um, and if you go to uh, our Twitter account, you can actually find um, a discount code for us that you can use as an affiliate. But we just always want to kind of throw that support and have you go check out that grinding coffee company. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two. All right. Well, um, I want to talk about Nostro real quick. So this is super interesting to me. So Nostro is a chimera from Theros. Um, and the chimera is a mythological beast from, from Greek uh, mythology, but the historical or mythological chimera is a uh, lion, uh, a snake, uh, like a lion, a goat, and there's a few, like a, like a snake. Um, but this is like a different iteration on the, the chimera, and that's what I was thought was really interesting about it. So it's it's still three three animals, three heads, but it's it's a wolf a horse and a um, and an eagle. And so each one, I mean, and mechanically it's kind of fun because it's like tap, choose one, X is the number of spells you cast this turn. You either scry X, you do X damage to a creature or you gain X life because it's, it's a blue, white, red legend. And so then it has a blue, white, and a red, like a thing that it does referencing the three heads, the three colors, the three abilities like that's, Oh, and it's a three, three. So yeah, we've really got a nice theme going there. Yeah. This is kind of when they do the, when they go all in kind of on the mechanic, um, you know, we've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just really interesting to me where they're like, and again, like they've done this with a number of things in Theros where it's, it's inspired by Greek mythology, but they kind of are doing a magic or their own iteration on it. So I just thought it was kind of noteworthy that this was a another iteration on a myth. And we're also, so um, it, it's actually kind of interesting. So I'm thinking just more that they it wasn't a three mana card. I mm, guess maybe the abilities yeah. were too I good. Sus- I suspect because... that, that, yeah, because it's, it's casting cost has, has a generic mana in it, making right. it for casting cost. I'm guessing that was... A, it was uh, too powerful at three. Yeah. yeah. But three minutes three, three that does a bunch of things. Yeah. It is kind of a, how do you balance them? Um, so next we have, uh, we get to go back to Tarkir's original timeline with Hamza, Guardian of Arashin. And like I said, we've talked a lot about this kind of this ability to be able to pull in from different timelines because, you know, Tarkir was really magic's attempt at time travel. So you kind of really have this whole plane be shifted and changed where you know the dragons weren't really there and then now they were extinct 100 percent. yeah they were completely extinct storyline which was interesting because you know like they were but they were still like the basis for these clans and then time shifting happens or time travel happens and now 
dragons are now very present again. And so we do, it's kind of cool to see, you know, we talked about the differences too, that we, with some characters, we got to see differences. So like Narset, we mm. saw different versions of Narset based on the timelines, correct? Yep. Yes. Okay, good. Sometimes I worry I'm losing my memory. Um, but yeah, so like, but it's cool to be able to see that there is kind of these ways, like you said, that we can bring up things that are now from a world that never happened. Yep. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, a world that from as far as the, everyone ex- except for Sarkin is concerned never happened. Well, and Ugin. I think Ugin is, <laughs> Ugin is aware that something happened, but he was dead during the original timeline, so he doesn't know what the timeline was like. He just knows it changed. I always felt bad for him. Ugin? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought we were still saying Sarkin. Oh, Sarkin. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Sarkin. I never, I never feel bad for Ugin. Ugin's That's why I was horrible. surprised. Yeah, I know. I realized that. I was like, wait, nope. You said Ugin all of a sudden. Like, yeah. The worst Sorry. big brother ever did not. No, I do not feel that way. Oh, fair no enough. sympathy. Fair <laughs> all right. Speaking of sympathy, let's go on to Hans. So I know <laughs> you want to talk about Hans. I love Hans. Yeah, of course I want to talk about Hans. Exactly. Because, you know, so we, I, we, we kind of brought up Hans a little bit. Um, last time yes. uh but the art on hans is amazing because hans is from uh, comes from uh what card was he on originally uh, the lord from ice age so yeah what times that are gone past like that was one of the first or one of the early expansions of the game in like 95 so this is it's we get to talk you know have this character who was in flavor text Reference in flavor text. So it wasn't even a quote from him. It was someone else. The sister. Was, yes. Yeah, Safi. So, and, and we have gotten Safi since then. Yep, um, time spiral. Because she was in time spiral. And and but but what we get Lorgoyf's original flavor text is Akhun's run. It's the Lorgoyf, Safi Eric's daughter. Last words. And what is interesting about this is. It, you know, Safi Eric's daughter, it's D-O-T-T-E-R, and Eric's son is really is the naming convention mm-hmm. of, like, son and daughter of Eric. So it was kind of a really cool element to that. Um, you know, but it's just the idea that they were out, basically out having a nice day <laughs> when yep. the Lord wife came upon them. Yeah, and I love, like, Han's flavor text. Nothing could ruin such a fine day, Safi. And as another yep. aside, like, maybe the art in the background is not just amazing, gorgeous, and wonderful, but is really evocative of the Ice Age yes. lands from the set Ice Age. Yep. So it really feels like this card, like art-wise, was set, could have come out in that set. But it's just great, too. The art's perfect, beautiful day, but you could see Safi in the background pointing. Oh. Something. And yeah, he's you, busy sniff, you know, smelling a flower. He's like sniffing a flower. Like he's he's literally out. Like oh nothing God. could bother him. Oh um, we also got that flavor text is actually a card name. Yes. From from unhinged. No, un, yes, unhinged, which is at the beginning of your, uh, at the beginning of each upkeep, you're allowed to say Akhan's run. It's the and then name a creature card, so, and you could search it, put it on the battlefield, and it gains haste, and then you had to exile it. So yeah. it had like almost like the sneak attack type thing but with you had to say because there were some weird mechanical things with unhinged really uh but it it is just really funny because it's great to be able to have this like kind of call back to a flavor text again yeah oh that's that's fun 
we got next is just some splicers. Um, so we know, you know, our splicers really do come from Mirrodin. We get uh, this splicer in particular is kind of the personal splicer, which is so splicers kind of create golems and then give uh, abilities to golems. So like that's what they're able to do. And um, this is Vorniclex's personal splicer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just like this idea of Vorniclex having a, a personal. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, I mean, it kind of fits the Phyrexians and, and Vorniclex and all that, but um, yeah. yeah, that's fun. I mean, to be honest, it's a card I'm thinking about doing yeah. something with, but mm, yeah. And, yeah, it doesn't do anything for me, but that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, more importantly, is the next uh, card I gotta, I wanted to talk Well, about. I know we gotta say Amote because okay. um, Amote was mainly because it was um, Host Chase's one of her preview cards. Oh. So, she got a preview cards and this was one of the ones um right and also just because it is a naga um so which is one of our snake tribes from kamagawa and so the other reason i want to bring this up is there is a line here between kind of um appropriation and kind of and this is where the the only reason i was going to bring this up was uh, the pose that is being made is kind of a throwback to kind of more of the um, Hindu gods, and there was kind of a question here between like this actually very much means something. So Shivam, but who's been on the show, um, talked about this. Like this pose stuff is actually very important. He ended up deleting the thread because it was like people came in and really attacked him for it, which is just a shame because it, it is this idea of the line that you're trying to play kind of between. Um, I think you were talking about uh, um, when we look at the Greek and Roman mythology, so inspired by versus kind of yes. what that actually means is something that magic is having to balance a line on. Yes. And sometimes and, they don't always do the best. Yes. And that's a line that's even more difficult with something that is being practiced today. You have to be much, you know, or not, I don't want to say you have to be much more sensitive, but it is there, there is a much more awareness i mean yeah. i don't think that there's, be aware there's a lot more things that it, it it's yeah and unfortunately that is a line that there have been wizards has had some issues with in the past yeah i mean i think, I think it's very fair to say <laughs> um so i don't have much to say about jared um i do think that it's it's referencing a lot of interesting story i see jared is one that actually is very has a ton in terms of i think tons of a uh, story old there, school story that yes i'm not even that um, familiar with but it references dark and uh, deck and black blade who was a card from legends um i suspect that i think jared was referenced in that set maybe and there's talking about um the last line here said jared's feud with revadil eventually culminated in a cataclysmic event known as the planeswalker war which is an event that was referenced in some story back in the day, but I don't think there's a lot of actual lore about it. Um, Joe, unfortunately, would know a lot more. There, there's I know there's a bunch of old story that kind of got retconned, and there's a term for it, and I'm totally blanking. And the Planeswalker War, I think, was around that, because there was some old comic books and stuff, and so a lot of that kind of disappeared when they decided to try to create this unified storyline and to try to be a little more, I, I want to say well, coherent with it, but I think it's also because we, you know, we talked about this idea in the past of 
he actually is a human plane. Like he was a planeswalker, but he was one of the old like old planeswalkers. Kind of when th th it was very unclear what they were kind of doing with them. So you know, uh, th that was kind of the thing that's a little weird about this. Uh, there actually is a fun article. So uh, from looking, if you want to look at a design standpoint, um, Sheldon actually. Uh, Menory just did a story. Uh, he did like an interview with Jared um, around a deck building. And there is kind of a lot of story that is there. It's 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 in Star City Games Premium right now. I think it'll be coming out. But, you know, yeah, Jared has a lot in the... Um, uh, there is like actually quite a lot of story and a lot of it comes from more from comic books, it looks like. You know, like we have art from him. So, I mean, I think that's the reason I was kind of bringing him in. It was like he was very important to, I think, more of the comic book storylines when they were kind of going that direction. Yeah. So he actually had a wife, Gwendolyn. Mm. Oh, sorry. So the wife of, uh, she's his mother. Sorry. Uh, his father sacrificed her <laughs> to become a planeswalker. So maybe I don't like this story anymore. <laughs> yeah. So next we have Jury, Master of the Review. The only thing I really kind of want to highlight is it seems like they did this because they did this with Blim, the comedic genius that we looked at in the last our um, last episodes about these, is that uh, the Rakdos are really given space as the performers, including satirical plays. Like, I mean, it, it, this really takes it beyond kind of the idea of like the Rakdos are just sadistic and like have orgies and like hedonistic and like beating each other with flails. Like there is that performance element to they are the ones on there. And there is kind of this idea that they're the ones that are satirical. They're the ones that are really, but like, it's funny because each performance ends with the murder of at least one audience member. So it's like, it, there is that murderous, but it's also like, th there is an art element. There is a piece to this. So that's all I had on that. Okay. And like, I, I wanted to talk about Kangi real quick. Um, Kangi Skywarden um, was actually a second printing or yes. a second legend it's of a card yeah. um, from Invasion. Like yep. bird, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, anthem, bird anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, lord. is a bird lord. Um, also has kicker two X. You may uh make extra birds when you do mm -hmm. that, or no, put put feathers on them, and then all your birds get bigger. Yeah. Kind of an awkward card because it costs you seven to get one plus one plus one for all your birds, but it's a card I like, and it is in my uh bird deck. <laughs> but i, I kind of like to see when they they kind of bring these legends back especially ones that had awkward cards that are kind you know maybe don't really have a place in commander but people mm -hmm. like to look at them and try to play them anyway so it's kind of cool to bring a modern design to it so it's fun to see kangi back yep yep i mean their, their story with kangi i mean fits into the phyrexian kind of it's like we've been talking about with the invasion there's a lot of that but i think it is you know, we'll talk about power creep, but just that idea that creatures have gotten a lot more kind of strength in magic. And this is a way to kind of, like you said, take maybe yep. a, yeah. Well, a, a, Kangi yeah. also has kind of the, the Lord, uh, keyword Lord thing going on where Kangi does buffs your creatures with flying, whether they're attacking or blocking and things like that. So yeah, that's an interesting design space that there's yeah. starting to be more exploration of, which I, I find really interesting mechanically yep hey so we took a really long way to get to quain the itinerant meddler who is a rabbit it feels appropriate at least coming from off of the card from art Delos. yeah i mean at this point 
with us recording like we have, we took the slow and steady way. You need to go back to last episode to even understand what we're going to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be <laughs> appropriate for Quain. Maybe we should just skip ahead. And... That was really planned. <laughs> so Quain is, is, is you know, cast. It really is. We have the, the, the tortoise and the hare. So this is yes. a rabbit wizard Sorry. to go along with Arkelos. Um, we did last time Arkelos uses ellipses and has this long drawn out flavor text because of that about life being a race. And Quain really is why so slow, why so slow, hurry up. You never know what you'll find. Yeah. Um, I mean, and on a meta sense, I think it's interesting having a tortoise and hare legend in yeah. that too, because, you know, there's, there's inspiration and in everything and they have their original story and characters from that. They have their, you know, mythology, be it your, your, Theros and other places where they're taking inspiration. But so it's, it's kind of interesting to have a little more of a modern like tale that isn't exactly more of a fable, but it isn't a, you know, old fable. It's, it's a more modern thing. So it's, it's kind of interesting to have um, some legends in that that regard. It's a cool idea. Um, The next is Lathiel. I don't really have a lot to say other than Lathiel is a unicorn. Um, Yes, and we've been giving unicorns have gotten a couple more cards recently, so that's kind of a cool and uh, uh, underused tribe legend. In with um, there's the one from uh, I can't think of the set where you smash the decks together. Jumpstart, jumpstart. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, like the blinking one. Yep. So, um, Miara Thorn of the Glade is you know a Lorwyn elf, so that's kind of nice because. Uh, Lorwyn is a, a plane that Lorwyn is one of those planes that a lot of times gets cited as where people want to go back to. And I think it is because it was a tribal set um, and just kind of the way it was done. It was the first time they really did like they did back-to-back blocks of two sets or kind of like these big, little, big, little, which was different back in the day when we had like three block structure. Um, this was, was kind of one of the first places to play with that. Um, and people really want to see, you know, like the art, the kind of the the um, tribal element and the racism of the elves, we'll say. Um, but, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, so we do get like a uh, just this kind of I think it sets up that there's a nod to lore when this is somewhere that I think we will be going back to soon. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So Nadir, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, because that's I didn't have anything else. I, think I had much to say about but now that I'm reading this, I think this was a nod to Keldeheim without mentioning Keldeheim. So Nadir is a um, an elf warrior, is a black elf. Um, but it was talking about the, the, the Duskull nation of elves has had a tumultuous relationship with the wood elf neighbors. The times change. Recent leadership has decided elf solidarity outweighs petty tribal disagreements. Um, Nadir appears to be a diplomat sent as part of the cultural exchange as part of the recent treaty. And so it's talking about this, but the thing is, is um, that's part of the storyline that we, we learned about on Keldeheim with the recent elf uh, planeswalker, Tyvar Kel. He is, um, they talk about how there is these two types of elves and that there is this alliance between them, a recent alliance um, between the wood elves and yeah. Yeah, so this was the seeding that we see and, that we kind of talked it about. Didn't even mention it. Didn't mention it. Just says these elves and I'm sorry. I just because I read this article, the the Commander Legends one originally back in November when that set right. was coming out, and didn't even realize yeah, they, we they had didn't, the seed. It's, 
it's kind of interesting they didn't necessarily like really, I mean and, they didn't hit us over the head with it but there's a lot to suggest here that Nadir is probably on Keldahan. Yeah. So um Nevin roll is somebody else that, <laughs> that uh so this can yeah. you, I just kind of go off on a tangent here? Just go off on a tangent on Nevin Roll here is that was a card that was in the original Alpha. He had Nevin Roll's disc, or was it Antiquities? It was early, early set of magic. Um, but it wasn't a character. It wasn't supposed to be a character. It was a reference to Larry Niven. It is literally the name Larry Niven in reverse. Uh, Larry Niven is a science fiction writer who wrote a, a number of things, but one of his most famous books is called Ringworld. There's, it's this whole series. And I think Nevenrall's disc was a specific reference to Ringworld. It was, yeah, that was, that was the intention. This is, I think this is super interesting that they're it's fun that they're going back and filling in these characters, but this is also kind of wallpapering over the fact that they used to have references to non-magic things. And now that I think about it, when they did Mon as the the goblin, mm-hmm. uh, this was the same thing. This is them taking a card that was referencing a real person, and they're sort of replacing that by creating a character who is retroactively supposed to have been the reference to that thing. And it's cool, but I kind of don't like it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to think about that a little more, but well, so what's interesting? So there's a lot that kind of goes on here because it's so it's a time before the Ice Age. So we're kind of like you said, the early story, the way that it was. Um, Nevin Roll is actually a lich now, by was what we get here. So the story that we get here, this is kind of giving us a lot more backstory. Like having the colors be Esper, which we now associate more with artifacts, is kind of the interesting piece when we're kind of retconning a little bit or bringing Nevin Roll in, um, but. The this is one that like to me this is an ability card that's kind of an interesting thing because this is one of the ones that was first thought about that when Nev dies basically Nevinral dies you're able to disc you're able to, basically able to use that ability um, so and this was back before they had like so if you want to go back and look at Nevinral's disc it's kind of an interesting one if you play Commander because it blows up a lot of the board. Because of the old wording where it didn't just say, like, destroy non-land permanents when they really felt the need to spell everything out, it specifically destroyed creatures, artifacts, and enchantments. So, like, okay, great. Which, um, today, were all non-land permanents. Right. At that point, were, but they decided to to name it. And there's a there's some interesting stuff when it comes to cards. So, if you want to look at, like, Oblivion Stone, which was printed in Mirrodin still before we had Planeswalkers, they just switched over to this idea of non-land permanents just to simplify everything but what it means is you can actually play nev's disc in a deck with planeswalkers um blow up the disc blow up hopefully most of your opponent's board and still keep all of your planeswalkers so it is this interesting thing i think where they decided to bring it forward to the ability of the creature does not just destroy all non-land permanents it really sticks to the flavor of the original disc so um Next, we have Obeka, Brute Chronologist, which is, once again, we got another ogre. It's just an amazing title. Yeah. Not only a chronologist, but a brute chronologist. A brute chronologist. Well, you're an ogre. Um, and time just like, makes you, you the fourth f- time to do what you wanted to. Yeah. So the flavor text is, I'm bored with now. Um, 
<laughs> and I just love this because you can choose a player whose turn it is and they could just end the turn. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, the player whose yeah. turn it just it it just ends the current turn, which is a thing we've seen a couple of times, but never on a creature and especially never on a legend. So this now creates a much more interesting it, it's much easier to build your deck around being able to do this now. Yes. And so the reason that you might want to, in case people don't know, is there's a cards that say at end of turn. If you end the turn, the end of turn step doesn't, like the end step doesn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. So cards that there's like cards that um, take an extra turn at the end of that turn, you lose the game. Well, it's two mana, take an extra turn. So like Final Fortune is the example. Um, mm -hmm. Two red, take an extra turn at the end of that, you lose the game. Well, no, you don't yep. uh, because you end your, so you don't actually have an end step. Yep. You can also use this to counter a spell. So mm -hmm. if somebody plays a spell on your turn and you're the player who it is, or if it's played on somebody else's and you have kind of this, it has that political element because you can give a person the option to end. Well, yep. Yeah, they may end the turn. So you yeah. can use this to counter spell. Like there's so much you can do with this. Yeah, and this is, and it says may end the turn so that you don't break other people's turns because it would make it really really powerful and in, in especially one-on-one -on -one, now that you think about it you just tap it and your opponent doesn't get a turn anymore yeah uh, but it also yeah allows some political things it allows you to do some wonky things yourself it's super interesting and and it also has a lot of explanation text which is helpful because it's one of those things that in concept just an execution what does it do it ends the turn that's real quick and simple. It's a single sentence, but what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you have to explain yeah. all the little pieces and of what that means. I really like this idea because it talks about, um, it's like you talked about playing with time mm -hmm. and it just, well, you mentioned it's a brute chronologist because it's an yeah. ogre warrior and Obeka doesn't care about like causality. <laughs> like, yeah. A right, and then this is great, like writing, a right cross from her will knock the baby teeth right into your mouth. <laughs> and her uppercut is so powerful your mother will feel it 20 years ago yep. and i just love this idea that like it is literally like brute force change of time not like yep. we need to be sophisticated about time at all also this is looking in the, the next sentence this is an interesting play with the color pie motivations as well um, wants nothing obeka wants nothing more than to live an enjoyable life full of earthly pleasures and knock down drag out fights Good and better of little interest to her, as her only concern is if something sounds fun. She mm -hmm. lives exclusively in the moment, and if that moment goes south, she'll beat it out of existence. And so Obeka is black, red, blue. Normally, you know, black, red, blue, you have a lot of more villainous things because that's black and you it's don't it's, it's yeah, it's bullish. But like it's, black tends to be the self self-involvement, self more selfishness. Red is, you know, give, you know, is more given to your emotions and things, and blue is much more calculating, but this is a different version of that. She's got blue is kind of the magic and the time manipulation. And it's, it's more of the red playing into your emotions and the black kind of just doing what's, what works for you and not necessarily in a malicious way, but just in the, you know, she's going to take care of herself and do what she wants to do. And if it, also, if it's not fun, she's just going to leave now. And well, I also really like that we have this ability of like uh, this piece where she's living in the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, you know, it, it talks about the moment goes south and that should just take it out of existence. But really, this is kind of a discussion of mindfulness. Like, this is a character that lives in the moment. Now, does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this might, this might be one of our better examples. I want more of Obeka, actually. Obeka also, is one of the ones on this list that really, it's not given a plane. 
Yep. It's not like I want to know so much more about Obeka. Yes. And um one well and one thing Oh no, I totally lost my thread. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay, because you're talking about mindfulness, which is great. <laughs> and oh, 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 I, I've caught it up again. So this is we talked about it last time, but we haven't mentioned it for, for this particular article. It's really, really cool how the the writers that Ari and, and Ethan have very different writing styles and sentence structure and expressions based on who they're talking about, who the character of these individual characters are. Nevenral, this is very like history book talking about these events that shaped this history. You get to Obeka and you literally have a line. If you get in her way, or you get, you have the line, like she'll, if, if the moment goes south, she'll beat it out of existence. Like, or then the brusque line, if you get in her way, consider your wish that you, were never born has been granted like the the lines are more a lot of these are more brusque they're they're direct and there's the comedic aspect as well and so it's just i really i think really cool from a story standpoint there next we have reva who's a master smith um this is kind of just once again i think this is to fill out a little bit more um dwarfs because they've been given kind of a little bit more place what's interesting is this is a dwarf um, artificer from Kaladesh, um, whereas we're getting ready to see a lot more dwarfs come about because of um, Kaldheim. But yep. they, and, they they made clear that this is, and you could tell by the art, that this is from Kaladesh, where we also saw dwarfs as artificers. Yeah, well, and the story even spe- specifies he's yeah. a the smith on the plane of Kaladesh. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like they're very clear about it. So um, Sakashima is, I mean, this was probably outside of... Um, Man, well, it goes along with Quark. This is this is my favorite card of the set. I love Sakashima. I've said for years that I want to see a Sakashima Planeswalker, um, just to see kind of like what that would look like and how that would be de- designed. Because you know, this is this idea that so Sakashima is a character that we have from previously in Kamigawa. Um, why Sakashima was interesting for me as a card design more so than the the lore at this point is. Initially, Sakashima does something that a lot of other things haven't done in the past that we're, we're seeing more space with, but it plays with the legend rule. So Sakashima was a clone, basically, but it kept the name Sakashima and an ability to bounce itself to your hand if you wanted to kind of like change it eventually to something else. But it meant that you could have two copies of legends. Now, playing with this idea of the legend rule in EDH is something that is really cool. So Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, the new version. Once again, it's a clone. Um, it, but it's it still retains Sakashima's other abilities, which is the legend rule doesn't apply to permanent you control. Legends, and we did a whole episode way back in number five, and we actually were going to do a panel on it this summer at a con around the idea of legendary in EDH, and both from a mechanical and from a story standpoint. So this really flips things when you can, you know, basically have two versions of the same because it's an illusionist, but you can now start finding ways to make multiple copies of powerful things that make stories seem weird. Like if you want to look at it from a lore perspective, but from a mechanical perspective is really a lot of fun because usually permanence out, you know, it's a set of creatures where we have a, a variety of legends with commander. Now, if you want to look at other permanents, that are legendary, it's usually, they usually have pretty powerful effects. The, the idea is 
having multiple of them also could make gameplay just too powerful. Or So this opens up that space. There's actually only been a couple of the other cards that have ever directly referenced the legend rule. So one is Mirror Gallery, which lets you basically, um, it's the same thing. The, the, it's an artifact that make from Kamigawa that the legend rule that doesn't exist or you don't have to worry about it. Um, and then we have the brothers. Um, oh, the Samurai brothers. Yeah, Yamazaka. 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 Yes, the, Yamazaka. where you could basically have two copies of them in play. But you couldn't do more than that. You could only have two copies of them. And if you had two copies, the legend rule didn't apply. So, yeah. well, and they, and they actually printed, Yamazaki, they actually printed two different arts yep. facing different directions, which is cool. So, but this is, you know, this is playing, this is a design space to play with. And so, you know, um, the hilarity here being, you know, being us who we are is I built Kark and Shakashima and I built a version of it that is much more multiplayer complete chaos because it's coin flips and it's so this, I mean, this plays onto everything we talk about on the show. The last time we talked about Kark on the Legends one, our recent episodes on coin flipping and the gambler's fallacy and Sakashima actually makes this a lot more possible because now Kark can have all those thumbs that I make and contend that he has because Kark's thumb is legendary. And so you can now start cloning Kark's thumb. I have a goal and a dream of winning a game with eight Kark's thumb in play with mechanized production. And this allows me to literally play on my dreams that Kark has all of these thumbs. He gets, gets his own like currency yeah. forgery and gets to just start forging thumbs to start betting away. 14 thumbs to start betting away. And I mean, that's yeah. literally, so I mean, when this was the one when the set was foiled, I was very excited. I love Sakashima. I, I always have. Um, there's a decent amount of story, but I mean, it's just, to me, this is just more, this is a design space yeah. that I love. I love playing with weird design space and yep. being able to take out the legend rule and then find what you can do with that is just a lot of fun. Yep. I got nothing on Slurk. Well, I just want the only thing I want to say is it's it might be our first legendary ooze, which was a thing that uh, yeah, Rosewater has talked a lot about trying to get legends because we mentioned legendary unicorns. It's nice to have legends of different tribes Things, as well. Yeah, people like, people for those like tribes. tribal. Yeah, so it's just yeah. fun to have support there. It is. Um, I had nothing else beside that though. I got um, nothing about that other than that. Uh, the lease. I, I is another character. Thelise is 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 another one like Alharu that it has interactions with the dead and, and spirits. And so Felice, I love this, this, this storyline and also has no planes. So we could, could see her come up in, in lots of different places, but yeah, woke up in a graveyard with no memory of who she was or how she got there. All she knew, remembers is her name, that she was safe and surrounded by friends, a swirling mist of spirits that encircled her. And so with no story of her own, she's spreading the tale of the dead who only wanted someone to listen to him. So she goes town to town, spreading the stories of these dead. And it's and this is another um, black-white color pie character, but this is another character who's interacting with the dead, not in a malicious, not in a, a, a um, exploitive way, but the opposite. Like now yeah. she has no story and memory of herself, so she's using her time and her space to bring the story of these these dis, these dead of the other dead you know and to people I, and i really love that this is a design space for black white mm -hmm. because 
you yeah. know, black, white, we, we've talked about the differences between what an actual guild is versus the, you know, we use the guild names, we use the shard names a lot of times as shorthand, but this is not an Orzhov card. No, so they're no like, the Orzhov are the opposite. I mean, well, in a lot right. of ways, the Orzhov are the dead, exploiting the dead yeah. and the living. Yeah, and so this is really where we kind of talk about how, where what we can see from the color pie and moving away from that idea of black has to be evil or that's what that means you know that we and we've talked a lot about this on all of our color pie episodes but this is design space that makes white black very interesting um and i really like it like you said because the stories of the dead passing those on the, the, you know this is i just really love the idea of maybe exploring more of where we can see some of this like we don't think of white black in this way typically no. No, we, we really don't. And I, I, I'd love to see it. Yeah, like this is an example of a, of a like you said, we don't get a plane for this person again for Thalys, uh, And that's good because th that is really kind of just, it, it really allows to learn, like event, we may never see her again, but at the same time, just us talking about it and, and wanting to know more about her is just, she, she's fascinating. Yep, I, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the next one because of course. it's Tago. The and goblin weaponsmith. The greatest goblin weaponsmith. That's well, you know, actually, he, he's very, very good. He yeah. is very good at experimentation. He's very good. He is an inventor. Mm -hmm. um, so Tago actually came from, <laughs> from <laughs> flavor text. So, I'm reading sentences again. And it's just, again, we talk about that different writing styles when you get to different things. The Lisa story. Is, is a little more somber and serious about the lease and this the story that she has. Mm -hmm. um, then you get to Tago and you get to <laughs> talking about ultimate weapons and you have the spear was a bust. It was too hard to figure out which end was which. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's like, it's like Tago we had known from, from flavor text and, um, and, it basically is all about him. Basically, he is a weaponsmith, like that's the Chicago weaponsmith. And um, I mean, it's a lot of we joke about rocks, right? Like yes. we joke about like goblins, rocks. you know, one of goblins' favorite things, rocks. Yeah, but like this is very true. And and my favorite flavor text actually is from Shock. Yes. So and the Shock is I love lightning. It's my best invention since the Rock. So it's just basically like Chicago taking like. I love it because Tago is taking like credit mm -hmm. for like oh, lightning and things that exist. Yeah, like things that exist in nature. Um, yeah. But like all the other flavor texts are like people like being like it's either by him or like wait till Tago sees this. It's like he just like oh my, my favorite is from Firefight Mage. So it's Planar Chaos. Is after millennia of advancements in Goblin military figo, Tago the sixth realized that almost everyone is afraid of fire. Like the sixth, so yeah. we have a lineage for this character. Oh, no, but hold on. Yeah, you have. There are multiple flavor. This is like this whole line because there's other flavor text from huh? that same block. Or it's like, did you? There's Goblin Clear Cutter. He sacrificed a forest to get mana. Did you know that wood burns even better than rocks? Yeah, like he's he's prophetic. I mean, like, the goblins like see him as this way, right? Like. Yeah, and he has two different flavor texts where he talks about rocks, like pinpointed avalanche. Some solve problems by thinking and talking. Others use rocks. Well, and what's better than smashing things with a rock? A rock that gets up and smashes yeah. things for you. Do you like, see Spitfire Handler? 
Yeah, that's why. That's why. Wait till Tago sees this. Like, yeah, which is this this little dragon that is just shooting fire, and it's like, well, apparently yeah. Tago the first didn't see it, but by Tago the sixth, they figured that one out. And what is awesome is so this card too is just like the art on it is perfect <laughs> because it's Tago holding a rock in his hand, like looking at it um, with lightning in the background. Yes, and and the ability on it is literally like when a land comes into play, it's just like a great mechanic. Oh, yeah. You get a rock. Which is perfect Melthos mechanics too, because think about that. Whenever you discover a new land, Tago finds another rock in that place. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like, oh, this new forest? Hey, hey, there was a rock here too. Yep. And and like, it's it's just <laughs> so amazing that like the ability is literally then, and then you can sacrifice the rock to get shock. Yeah, well, their equipment. Oh, and it does shock. I didn't even know. Oh shock. yeah, it does. It's it, it, the ability is literally shock. Oh, so like, so good. You, you basically throw rocks at things. Like, so good. Yeah, T Tago. It, this was another one of those. Just like this was not one I expected. Again, like this, this line. Part, the rock yeah, like, proved so successful that the Skirk Ridge has been completely destroyed by overmining. A testament to the enduring demand for this design classic. That's what I love about it. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's so playful, and it's it's so good. And like I said, this was not a character I was expecting that we were getting. So like this, you know, like Kark, I could see um, breaches. We knew who these were. Um, yep. Really think of them, and then we just get Tago. Like this was the one that like when Tago dropped, I think people were just like, oh my gosh, this yeah, this is the greatest set ever. Goblin. Um, we got Tormod. So once again, uh, we're kind of going back. So we know Tormod from Tormod's Crypt. Um, so Tormod's Crypt was a card that let basically you could sacrifice it to exile graveyards. It's been reprinted numerous times, a lot, especially in um, core sets because where they didn't care about planes in the past. Um, and the idea was like they needed that effect, and that effect is so good. But yep. this actually gives us Tormod. Honestly, I this is the opposite direction I expected. I honestly thought because his crypt was removing graveyards that it would Tormod would be like not the opposite of a necromancer, but instead Tormod is a necromancer. But also I love that they made the card work with his crypt. So whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a zombie. So if you exile your graveyard or someone else exiles yours, you get a zombie out of it. Yes. Now I'm guessing most people are probably going to try to start like reanimating things from their graveyard, yeah, uh, and finding that's, other that's, ways to, to get them. Way to do it, but <laughs> there's also a little bit of of protection uh, if you have a, a have a zombie deck or you have a graveyard centric deck. You know, one of the ways to deal with it is to exile your graveyard, and you're like, well, I mean, it's it's not going to do a ton. It's not going to discourage people from doing it. But at least if they blow up your graveyard and you get a zombie out of it, you're like not totally out. Yep. Um, next is Tuya Bearclaw, which is it once again current uh, timeline. Yes. yes. So she's a human warrior and she's riding a bear. Um, because you have to. It's amazing. So th what is funny about this is this card came out very shortly after um, I had a picture of Gwen sitting <laughs> on a like, like, like I don't know, like we were we randomly were in northern minnesota as you are around fall in, Min in minnesota to go see the leaves and there was like a bear statue that she's sitting on and like it was hilarious like we've sat around it and there's a great photo and we, i kept being like man if she really needs a card where like 
she's like calling animals to her and then this card came out with literally a woman on a bear the timing could not have been more perfect so i really want to get this card and get it altered like with that like photo replacing this so from a storyline though this is you know um she is important because Sorak, uh, who has two different timeline cards, but he's a, a hunt caller. He, she is somebody that he trusts. Um, even before she was Toya Bearclaw, when she was just Toya, her skill at the hunt complemented Sorak's in a way that kept all the families fed. This is really kind of that idea of the hunter-gatherer kind of clan that we had from them. Um, it, well, because they, they, they have to feed Tarka. Tarka, yeah. Yeah, they have to keep feeding this. And... Um, yeah, and so, like, basically, though, when they were searching for a meal, Toya and her fighters stumbled across a lone bear cub. The cub's mother had been slain by a hungry dragon, and it was left to fend. And she kind of takes mercy and spares it and decided to try to tame it. And then the ability kind of, now that he has the beast is her companion. Um, she, and whereas you can't take, the hubris of taking the name Dragon Claw, which is punishable by death, she instead was given the name Bearclaw and the respect and awe of the entirety of the clan. Well, the the, the title Dragonclaw was Sirach's original title in the original yes. timeline. Yep. And that yep. was actually now their it's... clan symbol too yep. because all five of the original clans took an aspect of the dragon as their symbol and the, the theirs was the, the Dragonclaw. So we have finally made it to the last legend, Alex. Yes, which which I'm realizing is also not given a plane. No, wireless soul of the steel. Yep, a um, a white red. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. Another white red aura slash equipment uh, legend. We, we kind of see a direction it was headed. You know, we we talked about like that. That was the mechanic for this, and it's also been a mechanic that they're really they've been moving to with Boros Yep, is getting a lot more of this lately in general, but this set really kind of solidified that with um, the legends and with the cards, because it was supposed to once again, be a draft archetype. Yep. Well, this is interesting. He gets a blade from a meteor. I mean, who's he, who's he think he is? Tago? <laughs> like <laughs> this is a little offensive. I don't, I don't, is he trying to encroach on our design space? Uh, he might be, but I mean, he works really well with Tago because you know, if you put a bunch of rocks, equipment with a bunch of rocks, you get to draw a lot of cards. It's true. You just put a ton of rocks on top of Wyleth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like this. But yeah, Wyleth is kind of a, a swordsman. Um, you know, it, the story is really, it's interesting, once again, giving a story to a character without a place. I think we saw a lot more of that in this episode than mm -hmm. we did before. So, yeah. There are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so but cool. yes. Yeah, we got through. We did it. We did it. We rambled. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as we're kind of next up for us really is our hundredth episode, which we're really excited to bring everybody. Uh, this is a milestone that I don't know when we started. I don't think that my brain ever would have come to this. Yeah. I don't think I, yeah, I still, I, it's still hard to imagine that we, we hit 50. Oh, yeah, a while ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, we did a you and I did a whole thing on fifty, right? Like, I mean, no, like there was fifty was was when we had Chase on, and and the show was it was a time spiral. Oh. 
<laughs> right. It was it was fairies Aries. Fairies Aries. Right. Chase's fairies Aries. Fairy Aries. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just anytime we hit milestones, it's just we we want to thank people that we're you know kind of being able to be still bringing you this content that we feel that this message is not just being shouted out completely into a void. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about this when for you guys for next week when you hear the hundredth episode, but it's just something that we've been approaching and kind of winding down to as 2020 winds down. I mean, the timing of it is, you know, randomly perfect. And we're really just excited that you guys have all been here and that the support of the community. Yeah. Both yeah. There's and the, and the people who have come on our cast who we ask and they're happy and it always surprises us, but yeah, well, I'm still shocked. So yeah. to this day. Yeah. And we're making plans for 2021 and what we're going to do for the cast and what that might look like. So um, just for now, thank you. Thank you all. Yeah. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HotsQ can be found at HotsQ and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at Goblin Pod on Twitter or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmokes, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash goblinlorepod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten, or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast, as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>